Lord, you are here, and we are here today. May we meet one another, walk into your grace in a deeper way, and feel your presence in our lives. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Quite a number of years ago, a man named Dennis Lynn and his brother Matthew wrote a book, and the name of the book was Sleeping with Bread, Holding What Gives You Life. And they tell this story at the beginning, true story, at the beginning of the book. In World War II, England was bombed horrifically, as probably all of you know. And as a result, there were many, many children who were orphaned. And they would be roaming the streets or begging or whatever. And the lucky children, some of them, not all of them, but the lucky ones, were gathered up and put in orphanages. And they were fed and they were cared for. But they found out that even though they were fed and cared for during the day, that the children could not sleep at night. And someone came up with the idea to give each child a piece of bread when they went to bed. They didn't eat it. They were simply to hold it. And they found out that the children could sleep because they had the confidence they had eaten that day and they were holding on so they could eat tomorrow. And I think that that idea of what you hold on to gives you life runs through our, our um, Old Testament and New Testament lesson today. And so I want to explore that a little bit with you. In the Old Testament, in the Numbers reading that we have, we find the people are still wandering in the wilderness, okay? They've left where? Egypt, right? They've gone through the Red Sea. They've seen miraculous things. They're wandering in the desert. And the desert's a wilderness. I mean, life is tough in the wilderness. I mean, we've had wildernesses. I mean, COVID is kind of wilderness. Life is tough in the wilderness. And they're wandering through the wilderness and they are a complaining group, I gotta tell you. And they've been complaining since they left. Not everything has met their standards. So they're complaining about all the stuff that's going on. They're not there yet. They're tired, they're angry, they're grumbling. And they even say, well first they say we have no food. Then they say, and we hate this food, this lousy food. Now, this lousy food was what? Manna from heaven. They were only eating because they cried so much, and God said, I'm going to provide it every day, take as much as you need for the day, but don't stop crying. So, God, who is trying desperately to build them into a people of faith and take them to the promised land. Uh, if you read the commentators, he'll say, well, God gets angry, and I mean, it might have actually said that. 
Welcome, Paulette. I was a little worried about you when I didn't see you this morning. Oh, thank you. Um, so, God sent snakes. And these are poisonous snakes. Now, I'm not a lover of snakes, so. These poisonous snakes are wandering among the people. And what do they do? They bite them. That's what snakes do. And so people are dying. Okay. Now the people realize maybe God's a little angry with us. And so they go to Moses, and I gotta tell you, Moses was a great hero because he had to deal with these grumbling people day in and day out. And they said, okay, Moses, go to God and, you know, tell him we're sorry and see if we can get rid of these snakes. And that's what Moses does. Moses goes up into the mountains, and he prays, and God tells Moses, okay, I'll bring healing to the people, but here's how we're going to do this. I want you to make a bronze um, image of a poisonous snake, and put it on a pole, and raise it up, and when people are bitten by a snake, if they look, Notice the if. If they look, they will get healed. They won't die from this snake bite. Now, there's a bit of irony here. The snakes have been killing them, right? And now they got to look at a snake to be saved. And they have to make that effort to do that. And they have to hold on to and understand that God has given them a saving action in the middle of the wilderness. This snake will save their lives. In fact, this snake ended up in the temple. And people began to worship the snake. And I think it was Hezekiah that had to destroy it because he was saying, that's not what it was for. It was a symbol of God's saving action in the people. And he gave it to you if you responded and looked up. You were saved. Okay, every, every Jewish child would have known this story. This was a major part of their history. And so, as we move in, to the gospel reading, we see that God has been faithful in the Old Testament and provided a means of salvation. Provided a way for them to have life in the midst of the wilderness. And so now we enter the gospel. And if you were in any kind of Bible study when you were little, you know this verse, John 3.16. You want to say it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would die. Yes, but have eternal life. Okay, John 3, 16. Most famous verse that probably any of us ever learned as children. And I can remember... And I'm sure that most of you are old enough to remember as well. The football games 
where people would be waving the signs. John 3, 16. Remember? I'm not sure you can do that anymore. <laughs> but I know of one couple in Maitland who had John 3, 16 uh, painted on the bottom of their swimming pool. Now, I never saw it. But it was one of their ways of speaking to friends who came in um, about what they believed. And so, as we move into this part of the um, section, Jesus, um, we're going to find the same thing happens that happened in the Old Testament. And we are promised that God will give us life, and it, that God did not come to condemn us. But there's a kicker to that. And like the irony of looking on the snake and being healed from the snake bites, we're going to find that the irony in the New Testament, in the story of Jesus, is the cross. A symbol, a very negative symbol of guilt and just... Um, terror and just all kinds of degradation becomes the symbol of what? Salvation. And God does almost exact, so well what I'm trying to say is what happened in the wilderness prefigures what happens here in the New Testament. That the saving action in the New Testament is Jesus Christ himself going to the cross, rising from it. He predicts his death. He tells them in three days he will be raised, that things will be different. And there's a catch to it. you got to believe that. you got to embrace that. You have to hold on to that. Which I think culturally in many ways, we're moving away from faith. It's like you and I and the world are often in wilderness, and we don't know what to hang on to. And this gospel tells us what it is. It's Jesus, the symbol of the cross, the fact that at one point in time, as Jesus is on the cross, everything negative, all the sin, and angst of the world enters his body and at his death is redeemed. And so you and I are offered the opportunity to live in grace. Now, that would be really nice if I always got it. If I didn't often wander in the wilderness and think, well, why is this happening to me? I remember the true story um, many, 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 many years ago when my husband and I really made a faith commitment. And you know what we did? It was rather drastic for us. We tithed. That dreaded word, tithe. <laughs> And I remember thinking, when we signed that pledge card, well, now nothing ever bad is going to happen to us again because we're tithers. <laughs> but it's not tithing that saved us. 
It's Jesus. And lots of bad things and lots of good things happen to us in the intervening years. The point of it is what we hold on to, what gives us life. Sleeping with bread for the children gave them life. It gave them hope. Walking in faith gives us hope. It gives us life. And I'm going to suggest to you that in a few minutes, you're going to receive communion. And you're going to get this little rather tasteless wafer. And I rather imagine that it tastes much like manna did in the wilderness. <laughs> Just not great. Um, but as you hold it in your hand, before you put it in your mouth, realize what you are holding, the promise of life, the promise of grace, the promise of forgiveness, and the promise that at all times, in all places, wilderness or the happy time, God is with us. And we need to hold on to that, all of us. Everyone has their own trials. Everyone has their own um, blessings. Sometimes they mix up together. But in the midst of it, at the foundation of all of it, it is God. And so as you hold your way for today, know that you are holding life itself. That this sacrament is provided so that you and I may be fed in God's grace. Amen. Amen.